It's probably safe to say that my guest on the podcast today knows more about apartment living than just about any other MP in Australia. And that's because his constituency has more apartments than anywhere else in Australia. My guest is, of course, the independent MP for Sydney, Alex Greenwich. We'll be talking about pets and Airbnb and flammable cladding and defects and all the other things that occupy us on a daily basis. I'm Jimmy Thompson. This is the Flat Chat Wrap. I'm with Sydney Independent MP Alex Greenwich, who's going to give us his view on apartment living in Sydney. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, so, we've just heard the big news, because I was going to save Airbnb until later, but we've just heard the big news that they've reduced the limit in Byron Bay, so that the council up there, Byron Bay Shire Council, have been told, you can cut it back to 90 nights per year. Now, the rest of New South Wales, apart from Sydney, there's no limit, basically. And we were told there would be no limit on regional areas, but now suddenly Byron Bay is a special case. What do you think of that? Well, there has been a strong campaign in the Byron Bay community to reduce, to be able to reduce those number of nights and general strong opposition to the short-term holiday letting that's occurred there. The way that it's changed some of the dynamics of, of local areas. I know that the Greens member up there, Tamara Smith, has been campaigning hard on that. Mm. Uh, and you know, there's an election coming up, so yeah. I'm I'm going to be a little bit cynical and suggest that in this in the city of Ballina, which is a very tightly contested two point three two point three two point three percent margin three horse race yeah. with the Greens, Labor, and the Nationals, Ben right. Franklin. You know, this is something which will win votes. So, you know, good on Tamara for pushing it and yeah. for pushing the government to getting to this point and, and good on the government for responding to the community concern. It would be great to see that in other parts of the state and it would be great to see that in apartment communities. Right. I mean, other parts of the state, one of the first ones that occurs to me is Coogee, where Bruce Notley-Smith, that's his name, isn't it? By the way, on the question of names... Seriously, the Nationals candidate in Ballina is Benjamin Franklin. It is Benjamin Franklin, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. That is, he, he had no choice but to go into politics, obviously. <laughs> Indeed. So you've got Coogee, big apartment community there, as we know. Like Byron Bay, a long history of holiday letting, which has just gone nuts since Airbnb and all the other online agencies came in. And he is sitting on, I think, an even smaller margin than Tamara Smith is in Byron Bay. What can the government do to help him out? Well, uh, apartment communities are having their voices heard like never before. Uh, The level of engagement on the short-term letting legislation uh, was so great to see. And, and force the government to reverse their position, which was potentially going in the direction of the very laissez-faire Tasmanian approach. Yeah. Instead, it put the limit to not allow investment properties and put the 180-night yeah. cap, which, you know, is still not perfect, but, but is, it was a better outcome than what we were going to get. 
Um, and I still think apartment communities want more. So if it's good enough for Byron Bay, it, it should be good enough for Coogee and it should be good enough for Sydney. Yeah. Whether it is apartment communities or whether it is those individual dwellings. Mm. You know, I myself have been out door knocking at Paddington and Surrey Hills in Piermont. And you do see those special locks oh, on terrace the doors. Key safes. The yeah. key safes on terrace doors. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate because... We want our communities to have active participants, mm. not to have things shift into hotel rooms where we lose that community spirit. Yeah. And I know this is a big issue in, in Piermont, in Paddington and in Surrey Hills as well. Here's a new one for you. You know the, the Housing Commission block above the station at King's Cross? Mm-hmm. There's a key safe on the railing there. Oh, wow. So... <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm conflicted. I mean, I think people who live in housing commissions should be treated exactly the same as everyone else. But you're in a housing commission and you're letting out on Airbnb. That doesn't seem right. To me. Yeah. Well, who knows if that's the case? But it should. That shouldn't be the case. No. That's just yeah. wrong on so many levels, Indeed. as they say. Indeed. You know, because there is a 60,000-person waiting list for social housing, right. every social housing property yeah. is critical. So they need to make sure that they are being used appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. Just going back to last year, the microphones were plugged in. The recording equipment was switched on. The sound checks had been done. Minister Keane and Minister Roberts were about to announce the laissez-faire, Tasmanian-style, no-holds-barred, go-for-your-life Airbnb policy. And then it all changed. Were you around in Parliament at that time? Did you get a sense of what was happening? Yeah, I had received information that the government was going to make this announcement. A media alert had gone out and groups were ready, were getting ready to respond, including the Owners Corporation Network and Airbnb themselves. Yeah. Um, people were lining up to do their press conferences and responses. And then the announcement got pulled and it got pulled for a very good reason, which was that potentially would have really decimated apartment communities across mm. the state. Mm. We would have seen affordable housing turned into high cost per night yep. hotel rooms. We would have seen that whole big insurance question and zoning question yep. around um, whether apartments can actually be used for short term letting go unanswered. How we got there was a, this was last minute stuff. This was last minute stuff, and you know the there was a really strong last minute push by the Owners Corporation Network and others to specifically lobby and target certain MPs with large apartment communities in their electorates, Liberal and National MPs, yeah. and that was effective. You know. Yeah. People were calling MPs around the clock saying, do not destroy my apartment community. How could you do this to us? What's going on here? And that pressure, as does happen in politics, worked. And you would see conversations throughout the hallways with people asking what's going on here? How are we letting this happen? Thank God the community questioned what the government was about to do because so many people in the government weren't questioning it. And the Labour opposition was also not really putting pressure on because their position was, we don't have a position until the government has a position, which was hugely unhelpful throughout this process. It's a crazy idea, but it seems like... I mean, we, uh, you and I, have been talking about this for the past two years, if not more, the kind of conversation that we go out for dinner and people say, please, no, not Airbnb. But all these MPs, like it was, they were hearing about it for the first time and going, hang on a minute, this this doesn't sound right. I mean, is that 
kind of what it was like they'd kind of blanked it well we had we had that inquiry that lower house inquiry which the recommendations really didn't go anywhere but we were also dealing with a, a you know a very big change occurring during that period of time so yes we could see it happening because you know we obviously have to keep an eye on what's happening in the parkland communities around the world and yeah and what happened in sydney happened in New York, happened in San Francisco, happened in Vancouver, happened yep. in all sorts of cities very similar to us. So we may have been watching what was happening there, but what was emerging here over two years was aggressive marketing from yeah. Airbnb and other short-term letting yep. providers, people actually starting a whole business model yep. around buying up units or managing a group of units and put them putting them up for short-term letting and a complete grey area in the law which potentially let this yeah. happen. Yeah. While the government was not stepping in to regulate it appropriately, that economy was building and building and building, and Airbnb was getting uh, more politically connected as well during that time. For sure, yeah. Uh, so we ended up at this sort of tipping point where the government needed to go one way or the other. Um, I think the balance ended up being in the favour of apartment communities because of the work of apartment communities. But 180 days is still a bit too long. Yeah. We still do not have the code of conduct. Yeah. And we still really do not understand the process around being able to bar someone from short-term letting their unit. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a, somebody wrote to the flat check column uh, just a couple of weeks ago and said, we tried to put up a, a bylaw banning Airbnb and our chairman who lets out their flat on Airbnb said that's against the law therefore we're not even going to discuss it so there are these people I mean I tell people who write to the column look if your building is zoned residential only all you have to do is have a a bylaw saying our building zoned residential only we respect our council zoning therefore short-term letting is illegal and that hasn't been tested yet Mm -hmm. and uh, I have no idea what NCAT will do with that because NCAT is getting very weird in other areas. And we also have an unanswered question around common property, use to facilities, the ability for apartment communities to limit that or not. so there is so much yeah. us that is still very grey here. The government has not been forthcoming. I mean, it was concerning to me and and, and the Labor opposition spokesperson, uh, Yasmin Catley, that the government did not release the regulations uh, around short-term letting, did not release the code of conduct yeah. that would safeguard in the bill yeah. when the legislation passed. Yeah. So. Those two items still give the government a fair amount of wriggle room and do allow for groups like Airbnb to influence those decisions in their favour. So we still have to be very vigilant to watch what happens with those processes. And meanwhile, communities are are coming under a lot of stress because there are individuals within the community who say, I've got the right to do this. And everybody else is going, oh, we don't want this hassle. We don't want these tourists coming through the building. We want to know who's in the swimming pool, you know, all that stuff. We want people who understand the rules. And now that you're getting guerrilla campaigns, you know, I, I really I saw a website the other day, how to disable a a key safe, you know, these giant padlock things. So people are out there, yeah. and we're not recommending this, folks. It's, yeah. it's it's criminal damage. Yeah, but the website address. No, no. <laughs> um, well, look, that, I think we're given Airbnb 
enough uh, enough air. The other big issues at the moment are cladding and and defects. I mean, the, the Opal Tower thing was just spectacular. I mean, as one of the developers said, if this hadn't happened on Christmas Eve, it wouldn't have been a story. No. You know, this is this has been a big story for a very long time. I think what was interesting with the Opal Tower, which actually really made it news, was that residents were evacuated. Yeah. So we know anyone who talks to anyone in apartment communities knows so many buildings are defect-ridden. Yeah. People do not want to bring attention to the defects in their building yep. because, one, they may be in legal proceedings with a developer and yep. they, can't, they can't talk about it, or, two, it's their major asset. They're not going to want to get a story in a newspaper that says, you know, this building where their apartment um, is, is ridden with defects. That's going to impact the value of their major investment. Um, The fact that our apartment communities throughout the city and throughout the state are in this situation is terrible. And the Opal Tower was really kind of the tipping point for it. Mm. Um, Almost literally. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, and, you know, the government has announced this this audit process. Um, I'm un, I'm unclear as to what uh, what that looks like. What we really need is a special commission of inquiry yeah. with full investigative powers, where people in buildings um, yeah. uh, across the city, you know, the flat chap community, many of them will be in these buildings who have yeah. defects and they know it. You know that they can confidentially provide information to an independent process about what has happened to their building, have that fully investigated. Um, have rectifications recommended by a special commission uh, and make recommendations to government on policy. Mm. We do have the new developer bond, which has been put in place. 2%. 2% developer bond. And unfortunately, in my view, it is still a process that benefits the developer. It allows them to drag the negotiations out. It doesn't really appoint an independent mediation and that is a process that is going to need to be improved and two percent certainly may not be enough now matt keen just the other day announced a revamp of building laws which i'm not actually sure what it is but basically there's going to be a building commissioner and everybody has to be certified which i thought everybody was anyway and everybody has to say i stand by my work or something you know they're going to sign off which I thought everybody had to do anyway. It doesn't feel like there's an awful lot of difference there. We've had a system in place for over, for about 10 years now where developers can appoint their own certifier who they pay to say this building is fine. And that's why we have the backlog mm. of, all of, um, of all of these defects issues. Now, the government did change legislation to strengthen the independence of private certifiers, to change the onus of responsibility, to take away some of that financial relationship. So let's see how that plays out. But again, there is a lack of clarity as to how that will work. There is also a decade-long backlog of buildings which were signed off by developer-paid private certifiers, which we have to be looking at. Yeah. Moving on to cladding, the other the other big thing. We've had another fire in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I took a fairly extreme view on this, which is we've had two fires in Australia in buildings with cladding on them. No deaths, one injury, and a, an Airbnb person who was upset and wanted to go home. 
Okay, the people are probably making light of this a little bit because the people in the Neo 200 have been told they're not allowed back in until certain measures have been fixed. The people in the lacrosse were back in within a couple of days and have been there ever since, and I don't even know if they've fixed the cladding on that. Is there a middle ground on cladding? I mean, at the moment in New South Wales, you have to dub yourself in, you have to register, we've got this inflammable cladding on our, on our building. And then, of course, you have to, you being the owner of the apartments, the owners of the apartments have to then fix it. The wrong people are being punished for somebody else's misdeeds, in my view. What do you think? Well, this obviously all came to a lot of attention and, and those changes were made in New South Wales following the Greenfall yeah. Tower in, yeah. in the UK. And again, the concern here is the onus of responsibility on the owners rather than government or rather than, you know, the, the developer and, and yeah. the builder. So that, that power imbalance is again there. Yeah. Um, you know, we do need a process where the government is ensuring that apartments are safe, yep. that we are checking them, that we are auditing yep. them. And whether it is cladding, whether it is defects, we know that we have gone through a period of time where we have had massive urban consolidation, where we have had so many cranes in the skies for so long. It's in the best interests of apartment communities now and into the future that we do a full and thorough audit of buildings. Yeah. And we can start with the, the, the developers where there are concerns. Yeah. We can start with those, you know, with those which people have raised concerns with, and we can build from there. But we need a we need a process in, in place which is proactive, not reactive. And yeah. it seems to be that you know that we're waiting for a crisis to happen before we take action. Let's give the market the assurance that buildings are safe, yeah. that the cutting concerns are being addressed, yeah. um, and again, you know that the defects issue, issues are being addressed. So let's let's have a proactive process that looks at buildings, particularly built over the last decade, as a mm. starting point to make sure they're safe because people are increasingly going to be living in apartments, particularly in New South Wales. Yeah. We need to give people the assurance that it is safe to live in apartments. The Grenfell Tower was an old building that had been refurbed. It had no fire sprinklers. It had inadequate escape. Mm-hmm. And the owners had been told in the event of a fire, stay in your apartment. I can't see any building. And maybe there's one like that somewhere around in New South Wales and maybe in Australia. but And perhaps we should be looking at the older buildings first rather than mm-hmm. the newer ones because we've had two fires and the sprinklers came on and put the fire mm-hmm. on. So the system works. Mm-hmm. It really does. And, and the other thing that's happening in the UK is the, the government is putting pressure on the developers and saying, well, maybe you don't think that legally you... Or you have the responsibility to, to replace the cladding but we're telling you you need to look at this and mm-hmm. basically saying to them if you want to continue to be a developer in this country you'd better start helping the people who, who didn't ask for this cladding and now are being asked to mm-hmm. replace it. Is our government doing enough, and I'm, I'm talking about all our governments, state governments and federal, to put pressure on the developers to make good on their mistakes? Um, look, I think to, to your point that when it when it comes to cladding, the the level of concern that was at Grenfell does not exist 
at, in, in New South Wales, right. as far as I'm aware. Right. Um, hopefully there aren't any buildings which are in the same situation that they're in. But we do need to shift the way in which government deals with developers. We have to be seen as a, a bit of a police and as a regulator. You know, that government often partners with developers to just build, build, build yeah. um, and doesn't put the conditions or controls on them. And whether it is on, on issues like defects and cutting or whether it is on things like affordable housing, the government needs to realise that they are the body in control here. Yeah. That they regulate the industry and that they can put the conditions on property developers. Right. And guess what? Property developers will still work out how to make money. Absolutely. And it will be interesting to see, uh, particularly in those areas like the east and the inner city, with the the changes which allow, which make it easier for a developer to buy up a smaller block mm. um, and compulsory acquire, you know, the one or two uh, rec- you know, recalcitrant yeah. owners who will often be elderly and will need to stay in that kind of accommodation. It'll be interesting to see what kind of, you know, what they call as renewal happens in those areas because property developers will see the the drop in housing prices as opportunities to snap up the three units in a five unit block yeah use the new changes around the amount of votes you need yeah to kick out existing yeah. tenants and and rebuild uh, much larger properties so that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because that's that whole process is supposed to the final step of that is supposed to be going to the Land and Environment Court, just for a, a rubber stamp. Yeah, that's right. I've yet to hear of anybody doing that, and certainly oh, nobody I, being refused. It, yeah, so. I, I haven't. I haven't heard that, but I, I'm I'm predicting that it may happen. Yeah. with property prices coming down, absolutely, and opportunity, and a property developers an opportunity. On a lighter note, you'll be glad to hear. Pets. I know you're really strongly in favour of pets in apartments, and there have been big changes in the the laws in terms of uh, the two basic standard bylaws. You know, one is one is you just have to tell your your committee. The other one is you've got to get the permission, but it mm-hmm. cannot be unreasonably refused. Mm-hmm. Here's a conundrum for you: some people just don't want to live in apartment blocks with pets and. They just don't. It could be cultural, it could be mm-hmm. personal, it could be they could have allergies or whatever. It doesn't matter. They really, really, really don't. And they have gone through the newspapers for months uh, finding the apartment block that says, under no circumstances will we have pets. And they go, right, I'm going to buy in here. And then somebody moves in and goes, I'm going to have a pet. And NCAT twice in recent times has said, that they can't unreasonably like like they're, what they're saying is if you refuse pets all pets then that is unfair and the bylaws cannot stand where do you stand on this issue i am um, i live in an apartment and i have a, a pet <laughs> um a rescue dog named max uh and uh and we love the fact that we live in, in an apartment in an apartment building where, where people have companion animals. Yeah. Um, but I'm also fully aware that, that that same decision may not be appropriate for other buildings. And certainly there are buildings that, that have um, that have laws that, uh, that don't allow pets or companion animals. And yeah. they've made the decision 
either based on the, the number of units, the type of building, or the or just the view of a majority of people in their building that, that you know they don't want to have have pets. Um, so it's it's a kind of a similar thing to short term letting. Like I think the apartment communities should be empowered to make the decision that is most appropriate to them. Now, like many things in life, this is also not necessarily a black and white thing. Right? Mm. So it's not a, you know, five dogs per apartment or an outright <laughs> ban. Yep. Often what a lot of buildings do is they can work out a middle ground here. Mm. So some buildings um, might have different types of units within their complex. Yeah. We're having companion animals that is more appropriate than other types. Right. Some buildings may allow people who need a, a companion animal for health or mental health reasons to have a process right. um, around that to sort of point, put, the, put forward the need. Uh, you know, I think there's a great deal of benefit to having a companion animal in, a, in an apartment yeah. building. But it has to be the decision that is right for that apartment community. The NCAT decisions, which I'm not fully across all the detail on, but I think some of them have related to buildings which had a pro-pets policy. Yeah. Then that changed. Yeah. That then impacted existing people with companion animals in yeah. those buildings. Yeah. And then and then that cohort took it to the NCAT and said, well, you they... They came into this building when this was the case. So I think that's been an element in, in some yeah. of the conflict here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a supporter of, of companion animals in apartment units, but I also understand that that may not be appropriate for all apartment communities. So a blanket ban on bans is just wrong. Yeah, ban on bans is, is wrong. And, and apartment communities should be empowered to work out what is the best yeah. um, uh, system for them. Uh, whether it is, yeah, everywhere, everyone should be able to have a pet, whether it is no pets are really inappropriate for this building for various reasons or whether it is well let's look there will be some people who need to have companion animals let's set up a process for them or there will be types of units which we think are more appropriate than others let's set up a process for them but or you know we don't want to have pythons in our building as well so we're going to allow dogs and cats but not snakes I used to have a new sort of guy (laughs) who had a python in King's Cross it's true he was a snake dancer he had a couple yeah one of them went missing oh wow Um, surely if a building says up front on their on their bylaws we have chosen not to have pets and somebody moves in and goes well you're very old-fashioned and I've decided to bring my python or whatever in Monty, my python, is coming into the building. Surely the, the NCAT is entitled to say then, no, you want everybody to change their way of thinking just to suit you. and that, that's right. Yeah, I, th- I think the appropriate thing t- to do is for, you know, strata committees should be democratic processes. Apartment communities should be <laughs> peaceful <laughs> environments. And it, it's up to that person to advocate, to put forward their own recommended bylaws and process yeah. to work with an existing committee to say, you know, this is this is why I think there is a need here, yeah. and to work out some resolution. Now, that's not always possible, uh, but that should be the starting point. I've been talking to Sydney Independent MP Alex Greenwich about 
living in apartments, uh, especially in Sydney, there's a lot of ground to cover. So we've split this into two parts and the second part will be coming along next week when we'll be talking about tenants and affordable housing and his role on TV in Filthy Rich and Homeless, if you recall that. It's quite enlightening. Apart from that, I will have been on air with James Valentine doing my usual round of listening to your questions and trying to answer them. So it's going to be pretty packed. But if you need to get in touch with your inner apartment dweller before then, come to the website flat-chat.com.au. Talk to you then. Mm-hmm.